Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus. He is Paul Moyer, live from CenturyLink, every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN at 7 o'clock. And Mr. Paul Moyer, these Hawks are 4-0, went down to Florida, handled the the time change, the weather. They had a crowd for the first time, handled it like pros, made it back. What stood out to you? Well, I I think a lot. One is I felt defensively, I I thought we played our best team defense. And that's not a, you know, somebody said, was that a knock on Jamal Adams? I said, no. I I just thought as a group, we we, we played good team defense. We didn't give up any big plays. There was nothing over 30 yards. Um, I thought we tackled well again. I thought our, our pass rush was good. It, you know, he, it wasn't like he was sitting there, you know, patting the ball, looking for receivers. He went back there. He had to get rid of the ball, you know, on, on, on time. You know, and that's what you want. You want the ball to come out now as a, as a coordinator, it's a, you know, secondary coach. Now I can start designing pass defense, take away your primary and now he's got to pull it down. I, I feel the pass rush then can get there. I, 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 I truly believe we're getting better, and yep. I think we're going to be a decent pass rush team by the by the end of the year. So, offensively, look, same old, same old. I mean, just pick your poison. I mean, it's DK, it's Tyler, it's DK, it's Tyler, it's DK. This time we had everybody from you know Carson, uh, Tide Olson. I mean, everybody was involved. So, uh, Freddie Swain, I think he's a guy you 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 can't just say, oh, I'm going to take care of those other two studs. You know, he can hurt you, too. So offense is just uh, – they're out of pace. It's ridiculous. Man, I watched a film, and I saw a defense when I see linebackers anticipating routes, getting their hands up to try to make plays on the football. That just lets me know that they're understanding what they're seeing. I feel like in weeks prior, guys are running behind them. They don't even feel them. You know, yeah. guys are running across their face. They're not putting hands on them. And I looked at the defense. I saw Bobby trying to get after it. Um, obviously, KJ could have had his hands on, on a couple footballs. Yeah. And then Ryan Neal, the guy who gets bumped up from practice squad, this dude can play football. He did have that that uh, that pick early than that big hit. But other than that, I mean, he's flying to the football. He's in the right spot. He's showing too high, rolling down and, and playing the mind games with the quarterback. He had a tackle for loss. Like, this doesn't look like a dude who was just activated off a of practice squad. He's a practice squad guy. I mean, he woke up on a Sunday a week, well, a week ago Sunday, and, hey, you're up. And then Jamal gets hurt, and he makes the, the game, you know, saving the interception against uh, the Cowboys. He can play football. Now, it's a small sample size, and I was getting, a, I was going to get a little bold, you know, because I said, look, he can play cover two. He yep. can drop down in the backside of a slot like Jamal does and come up on that tight end and blitz. He does a nice job there. Very good tackler. Um, and, and more importantly, he has a feel for the passing game, mm-hmm. both in pattern recognition and the feel on the quarterback. And I mentioned it uh, with Dave Wyman. I, I go, I don't know if he's been taught really well or if it's just natural. It's probably just natural. There's just some guys who just have that instinct. They just have good peripheral vision. They've got a good sense. He has a good sense. If he keeps playing the way he's playing, I see 
us going in more with a three-safety set. We mm-hmm. drop Jamal down as one of the outside linebackers. That way we can still blitz without sending the farm. He's, you know, he's great in the box. And now you've got Neil behind it to play cover two. We can drop down and play both Adams and him opposite each other, kind of like a 4-4 four, four set. Yep. We just call it a 4-2. So you've got four down linemen, two linebackers, two safeties. So, you know, a form of a nickel um, set. I, I think he brings something that lets us have some versatility. And, again, we got a game and a quarter with him, mm-hmm. but I really do like what I've seen. I like what I've seen out of him. I also like what I've seen out of Shaquille Griffin the past couple of weeks, yeah. especially this week. I used to watch, when I was with the Hawks, I used to watch Marcus Trufant guard guys. And it was almost like he was running the route for them going backwards. Now, Shaq isn't Trufant, but every now and then I see a little glimpse. I'm like, he's anticipating this. And I think he, and I want to give the coaches some credit. Because when I feel like defenders are recognizing route combinations, that means that they've gotten the scouting report, the coaches have drilled it into them, they took it to practice, took it to drill, took it to team, and now it's showing up on Sunday. That just doesn't happen. A guy doesn't show up on a Sunday, and now he's backpedaling, breaking on the post with confidence. I see a real confident corner in Shaq right now. Yeah, he's uh, he's aggressive too. He's not. I mean, he truly playing some bump, and, and he's mirroring their receivers. What, what's interesting is to watch something on film, and this is one of those as a coach, you go yeah but what if he ran you know an an in and go that he just jumped it and the ball wasn't there man you you can't take that away from a corner you say look this is what we saw on film we know in this situation this is what they like to run they start to run that you trust your instincts now there's a point where you got to feel the rush and is the quarterback going to throw it or not you got to be somewhat careful at times but the other times, you just got to trust what you see. And there, there were a bunch of times where I saw Neil do that. Mm-hmm. I certainly saw Griffin do that. I see Diggs do that. You know, Trey Flowers is the one right now that I, he just doesn't quite have that confidence he had. And I thought he had that confidence last year. Some people would dog him a little bit towards the end of the year. But I thought he had a good year. Um, but I had a coach tell me a long time ago, know your limitations. Know your strengths and weaknesses. And if you don't feel comfortable right now doing bump then, you know, don't get beat over the top. Play a technique that you're comfortable with. And I think that's what he's doing. He's doing a lot of, whether he's in a bump press position or he, or he runs out, he's opening up immediately to the inside so he can see the, the quarterback and be on the outside shoulder of the receiver. He's doing that a bunch. It's going to be hard to stop shorter routes. But that's okay. Last week, we didn't give up any big plays. Yep. It's it's hard to go down the field dink and dunk in 80 yards. Yeah, you make a team dink and dunk. they got to put together 12, 14-play drives, and we all know that bad things happen when guys get tired. Now, let's talk about the old man on that second level, K.J. Wright. Oh, he, he cut that deal two God. years ago. People thought he'd be good for one. The second year, he'd be gone. He's stepping his game up. Could have had two picks, but I'm seeing a dude who, one, understands what he's seen. I feel like that's the theme for the defense last week. They understood what they were looking at. Flying to the football, getting his hands on the rock. He says his goal this year is to have five interceptions. We'll see if he gets there. But this doesn't look like a dude who's in his, what, 10th year in the NFL? No. he's Well, we, we know how smart a player and how good a football player he is. And, you know, look, as you get older, you lose a, a half step here and there. It happens. You make up with with, with you know, just being smart and experienced. The very, do you remember the very first out route? I don't know if you remember it, but uh, it, it was on Trey Flowers' side. And K.J., um, I couldn't tell if he was trying to, to squeeze on the number two receiver. Yeah. But it looked like he was supposed to work towards the out and get underneath that out route mm-hmm. on the number one receiver. And he, he tapped he his chest. Bad. He yeah. goes, my bad, Trey, my bad. Well, guess what? The next side, he was on the other side. He got underneath that one for Griffin. And he hit him right in the mitts. Should have had a pick. <laughs> 
Um, and then the play he made down by the goal line, uh, it's, actually it looked like uh, Bobby got crossed. There's three wide receivers to our right, and Bobby was the middle guy, and it looked like he got cross-faced. So the guy came inside of Bobby. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah. And K.J. was reading it beautiful. He came over, and, oh, put the diamond together, my <laughs> man. Put the hands up, man, the, 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 the chapel, whatever you want, a steeple. I'm, I am going to go to practice, and I'm going to go work with him. Go work with him, Because Paul. there's one thing. Look, there's wide receivers and coaches trying to teach them. It isn't the same. Okay? <laughs> They're not throwing it to us. I got to go get it. And I, there's a different mindset when, when you want picks. So I'm going to go work with Bob, or, uh, KJ on that, and he's playing phenomenal. All right. You go work with him. If it doesn't yeah. work out, I'll holler at him the next week. So you he probably gets have to holler at him. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll dive into the Seahawks' Week 5 opponent with Matt Collar from the Purple Insider right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN, 7 o'clock. We are in CenturyLink, but right now we get to talk to Matt Collar. Matt, how you doing today? I am doing very well. I can't wait for this game. I'm with you, man. I can't wait either. And, you know, I can't wait to ask you this question either, Matt. Every time I hear people talk about Kirk Cousins, he's average. He's average with his uh, win percentage. He's average with his TDs and interceptions. But then I look at the film, and I'm like, hold up. This guy can spin the rock. He's a veteran. He makes good plays. What is the overall feel of Kirk Cousins down there in Minnesota, or up there in Minnesota, I should say? Well, you know, I think after two weeks and maybe even after three, even though he played well against uh, Tennessee, a lot of people were talking about Trevor Lawrence, which I think tells you a little bit about how they feel about Kirk Cousins. I I don't think that anyone looks at Kirk Cousins and says he's a bad quarterback, but I think that there's a, a conversation about whether you can win with some of his limitations. So we've sort of followed over the last couple of years the Kirk Cousins roller coaster, where it'll be a really good game against a bad team and everyone gets excited, and then they face a big game against a good team and Kirk Cousins comes up short. Now, he did win in New Orleans last year in the playoffs, and he played great, deserves credit for that. But aside from that, he's only beaten two playoff teams in the entire first two seasons that he's been there. And I think that that's where some of the frustration comes from, is that if he gets pressured up the middle, if they're not running well with Delvin Cook, if there's a receiver out, or if anything is going against him, it's kind of you know bouncing the wrong way, you don't expect Kirk Cousins to make up for it. So while he is very, very talented and can put up huge numbers, uh, the question isn't really can he be good in the NFL and make you competitive, it's can he get you over the hump. And now, of course, this team at the moment is just trying to get back in the race. So that conversation, I guess, uh, will at least be put on hold unless he beats Seattle. You know, you look on paper, my goodness, Dalvin Cook. I mean, he is he's a special player. You have Kirk Cousins, we just talked about. Adam Thielen, who's always struck fear in me whenever we played them. You know, Kyle Rudolph. And then we put on the film, and this Justin Jefferson jumps out, and he's beyond special. But this team is loaded, but they're pretty far down the rankings offensively. Is it, is it because of Kurt? What's the, the reason they're so far down offensively with all this talent? Yeah, I think if you watch the right and left guard, uh, you'll see a lot of issues there. Now, in Seattle, you have a quarterback who can make up for some offensive line deficiencies and has done that a lot during his career. 
But in Minnesota, they don't have that type of quarterback. And so the first two weeks, I think, was Gary Kubiak trying to figure out how he's going to work around the fact that the guards are so poor in pass protection. And I would extend that to some extent uh, to their center, Garrett Bradbury, as well, who's been up and down. Basically, if he faces someone really good, he's going to get steamrolled on a weekly basis. And they really struggled in those first two weeks with that. A ton of pressure. And then even in week three, Kirk Cousins was pressured 60% of the time, but he you know, was able to make up for it and put up some, some big statistics. But it's hard to get those guys the ball with so much pressure in his face. And I think that's what's been holding back the offense. So what we saw last week was Gary Kubiak went old school and started doing max protect and sending out only two wide receivers. And I think you're going to see a ton of this on Sunday where Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were the only guys going out. And so they were trying to use a lot of play action, a lot of run looks and things like that. Uh, Kyle Rudolph stayed in and pass blocked the fourth most of any tight end um, this in, in week four, which you just don't expect that for Kyle Rudolph, who caught 80 passes one season. But those are the adjustments that they're having to make. And I think that maybe even Gary Kubiak was caught off guard a little bit in the first couple of weeks of the things that he was going to be limited by that offensive line. But now they're starting to figure it out. Well, Matt, these organizations have two things in common. The defense is struggling at this point. Now, you guys have Yannick Ngakwe um, that you picked up this year. You have Eric Hendricks, who's been doing his thing. But you lost Anthony Barr and Daniel Hurt. What are you seeing out of this defense that's really making them not perform the way that we're used to seeing? Yeah, and Kendricks has not practiced yet so far this week, so we're going to find out tomorrow what his status is. And then, you know, Harrison Smith got thrown out of the last game on a a little, little bit of a questionable uh, penalty and, and ejection on, on a hit. But, uh, yeah, they've really been devastated by injuries and, you know, guys leaving. I mean, this is not going to be the defense that you remember. I think you guys will be watching the game on Sunday going, who? Who is this guy? What? Uh, because this is not, you know, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayans, and all the, you know, Everson Griffins that you've seen for years against the Seattle. So they have – you know, new cornerbacks across the board. You're going to see at least two rookies out there playing at cornerback, which could be a real issue against Russell Wilson and that group of weapons. Uh, they've really, really struggled to stop the run in the middle. They've pretty much been steamrolled because Michael Pierce opted out of this season, and he's a star nose tackle, and Mike Zimmer's defense really is built around that nose tackle position. And you remember, you know, Linval Joseph and how important he was. Well, that was supposed to be Michael Pierce, but he opted out. So now you're dealing with backup players all over the field. And if Kendricks can't play, you're going to be talking about three starting backup linebackers, which could be a pretty serious issue. So this one just has shootout written all over. <laughs> it, it does. We, we've seen those every week. We've scored over 30 points uh, every game. That seems like uh, every play comes down to the last play for the Seahawks. Did, did you guys know about this Jefferson kid? I, I know coming out of LSU and he was first round pick and, you know, people thought he was going to be good, but did they think he was going to be this good this quick? Because I'm telling you, this guy's he's special. Yeah, so uh, in training camp, we got that feeling. Uh, we knew that it was a shortened training camp, uh, no preseason, so it's going to be tough for him for maybe the first couple of weeks. But it's pretty rare when it's all NFL players out there in the same field and one guy's faster than everybody else. I mean, he just moves different and then just was able to make contorted catches and contested catches at a different level than everybody else on the field, aside from Adam Thielen. But he's even faster than Adam Thielen, and, and that's 
was pretty clear to just us reporters standing on the sideline. So for us, it was always a matter of when he was going to break out, not if. And then in week three, they had struggled so much in the first couple of weeks, they basically just threw up their hands and said, all right, kid, it's time to go. And then he gets 175 yards. And the other thing about him beyond his route running, which has been very impressive, he's played outside receiver, which he didn't always do at LSU. That's been really impressive. Down the field work, contested catches. But his personality has really impressed me. After the first game, he had 175 yards. And after the game, he was talking about one catch he didn't make that he was frustrated about. And everything that they've said about him is the kid is obsessed with route running details, that he has stuck himself to Adam Thielen and basically followed him around, you know, like a little kid with his older brother and that kind of thing. And and when you hear that, that's, that's different for a kid to have that type of maturity and to really know the path to being a superstar so quickly as opposed to having to find his way. And so my expectation is that he's going to continue doing this and that even though, you know, the Vikings don't have Stefan Diggs anymore, that they've replaced him with somebody who is very, very talented. All right, Matt, Yannick Ngakwe was a free agent for a while. I thought that the Hawks might have a chance to get him, but you went up and stole him from us. You stole him. He has three sacks and two forced fumbles. What have you seen out of this guy thus far this season? So, you know, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Mario Williams where you won't see him and you won't really notice him, and then all of a sudden he makes a big play that's a game changer. And that's what the Vikings need out of this game uh, with him. They need a strip sack. And Russell Wilson does take sacks from time to time. And and Gakwe will get one or two plays where you're really blown away by him. But he's also limited. I mean, I don't think that he is like Everson Griffin, where he just dominates all the time throughout the game, where he's constantly driving your tackle back into the quarterback. He's much more of a finesse rusher. And if you're going to run at him, that's probably going to work out pretty well for you. He is not good at all in terms of stopping the run. And I think as well as he's come up with a couple of really nice plays that pop on film, maybe it's been a little disappointing in terms of his all-around play. And maybe it will kind of grow as he goes along. But you know, if you're looking at the perspective of this year and this game, he could be a game-changer for sure. And he has a special talent for strip sack and quarterbacks. But from the perspective of the long term, are you going to pay this guy $20 million a year? After the first four games, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on that and because of he's just not really an all-around player. So I expect Seattle to take advantage of that and to run toward his side quite a bit. Matt, you said you're excited about this game. And we, Russell Wilson is, for, for us who get to see him every single game over the last 10 years, uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, what's your thoughts going to this game? Give me your prediction. Uh, my prediction is all sorts of points. Um, <laughs> you know, what was, was it Mr. T who predicted pain? I will predict points. Uh, I'm gonna, I, you know, I, I really do think that the Vikings are a different team over the last two weeks, and I'm picking them mostly for entertainment purposes only. Like, I think Seattle's a better team all around, but not having Jamal Adams in the mix, I mean, this one could be 31-40 or something like that, or, uh, you know, 41-38. I, I think that's what we're looking at, and I'm also really rooting for that just as an enjoyer of football. Like, I would love to see them go back and forth, Wilson and Cousins and Jefferson and D.K. Metcalf, you know, battle of young receivers. So I, I think we're looking at something exciting. If I'm being reasonable, I'll say Seattle wins. 
But um, also, the Vikings' season is on the line here, though. So if they get a win, it's huge for them going forward. So they'll go in as a desperate team, and I, I do think they have a chance. You know what? I, I wish I wish you weren't allowed to substitute. You had to play both ways. And I would love to see Jefferson and Metcalf go at each other. <laughs> one playing corner, one wet, because they are both tough dudes. All yeah, right. And, and the athleticism there is crazy, man. Matthew, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. We'll see what happens this Sunday. Have a good night, sir. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, that was Matthew Caller. I'm Michael Bumpus along with Paul Moyer. You're listening to Hawks Live. When we come back, we will talk to wide receiver David Moore. Talk to you soon. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus. He's Paul Moyer. In between these segments during the commercial, Paul flexes on me every now and then. Many, many flex. Many flex. But now, Paul, we get to talk to another receiver. Yeah, you and your receivers. Love the receivers. Right. This one I like. David Moore, how you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, so uh, remember we did, I don't know if you remember or not. You're a busy guy. We did 100 <laughs> yards with Bumpus last year. And I asked yeah, you. I that. I try to go, man, what's your favorite route? And you, so serious, looked me in my eye, you said the gold ball. That's all you do, baby. You go down the, the field, you ball. catch the rock, you're doing your thing, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. I like to see you doing your thing. Coming into this camp, uh, there's some receiver competition. I mean, uh, they drafted um, Freddie Swain. You got DK. You have Lockett over there. What was your mentality trying to solidify your spot on this football team? Uh, I really looked. I really went into it looking at it like, Hey man, we got some good old boys in this room. It's gonna be one heck of a receiver core. That's kind of just how I looked at it. I just I didn't really think of it as competition. <laughs> I wanted to look at it as all boys. When I heard you trying to get the same goal. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I and I'm guessing competition. It doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, you're on the team. You know, right now you guys are just pulling for each other. Um, I, I charted. I can't remember it was the first game or second game uh, Russell Wilson you guys played, and I charted them. And outside of a go route, there was not one pass that a receiver had to extend his hands out to catch the ball. I mean, he pretty much hit everybody in the numbers, other unless it was a go route and you had to extend your hands. Is there something going on different with Russell? I mean, he's obviously been phenomenal, but my goodness, he's playing at a level that is is one of the greats of all time right now. I don't know. Man. I think I think he's been he's been able to do the stuff. I think they're kind of just opening up a little bit more of the passing side of it. Um, so kind of get to see really what he's got back there and him really just airing it out, which is pretty good to see. He's doing a fantastic job, that I say. For you, and I asked this Freddie Swain. It was either a week or two ago. You know that you guys have design plays, and I, my guess is obviously it's, it's designed to go to a player or two. But you know, di- defense dictates. Is this a, a team that every play though you think I've got a shot at getting the ball? Does Does Russell say, "Hey, everybody's live in this play"? Yeah, for sure. We always practice that too. So like, everybody's for sure going to be live. He has his reads and stuff like that. But you never know where the ball's going to go at the end of the day. Is what they say. So. Yeah, run it like you're getting the ball. <laughs> Supposedly you might end up with it. Okay, so let me talk about that play right before the half last week. Was that designed to go to you? Or 
you would just all of a sudden he breaks the pocket and a little bit of a bust in coverage and and you're there. So really, that yeah, it, it I wouldn't say it was designed for me. It was designed to really try to get the ball to the middle of the field and get some yards quick. But with Greg running his route and the way our spaces were set up, yeah. The coverage is busted. <laughs> it kind of just helped me out, really. You know what? Get outside the down one. You know what's been interesting, David, this year. Sorry, I'm hogging all the questions for my my buddy, who's the wide receiver. Um, there seems like there is a lot of bus in the teams you're playing, and and I don't think that's by accident. I mean, I, the the play against the the Cowboys and and New England. I, I want to say the one where Tyler Lockett looked like maybe he, they're expecting a deep cross, and all of a sudden he busts it to the post. Is is a lot of these busts though are just by design? You guys see going into the game that hey, we think this is what they're going to do, and we're going to play off of that. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of how we go in at the, at the game plan and uh shoot they say play fast and that's what really gets people on the toes and mess defenses up move around confuse them a little bit yeah that's pretty much the game plan <laughs> Hey, David, one of the things that impresses me the most about you is your body control. I mean, both of your touchdowns this year, you've showed complete awareness and body control. Is that something that's always been a part of your game, or is that something that's developed over the years? I would say I've always had pretty good ball. I'm body control growing up. And then, yeah, gradually as you get older, you get better, I would say. But the more you practice it. But yeah, I would say, I would say I've had body control, but... You guys are getting better. <laughs> you uh, you had a, a jet sweep last game. You had an edge defender on skate, snatched his ankles, <laughs> got some yards after that. Easy on my defender. <laughs> was your was your phone blowing up after that? Because I know, man, when I made plays, my boys were texting me and hollering at me. What, what was that, that post game like after that? <laughs> uh, yeah, my guys hit me up from back home for sure. Talking about <laughs> Talking about how... I did, but he wrong, but I was just like, yo, bro, I thought he was going to smash me. I thought he was for sure going to kill me, but, <laughs> yeah, I had to make some kind of move. Some. So there's a, a – st- oh, go ahead, David. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, they, they were for sure hitting me up about that. <laughs> that's the fun. That's the fun part. I mean, you play in the NFL, and, and people think it's bigger in life, and then you get – pulled down to being humble and reality and your your old friends you hung out with start dogging you on on text and twitter keep keep you humble doesn't oh it? no doubt that's the greatest for sure let me ask you a question on this uh there's a statistic about you guys motion more than any team in the nfl how does that play in is that something that's designed every day or the for the most part the motion's already set with you know your your basic calls uh sometimes it's set with the call but majority of the time it's just to see what the defense is in staring man or zone or whatever the, their defense scheme may be it just helps us out a little bit more see who's traveling with us or who's staying or you know what I mean? See if they're rolling back or whatever. Here's an even more important question, David. What happened to the wide receiver dances? Man? Knew you were going with that question. We we, we miss it, man. Well, what's up with the dances? Man, 
I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> the thing is, I've been trying to get these boys on on top of it, but it's just like, I guess it's just kind of wild right now with COVID. <laughs> We're not really thinking about it. I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully we kind of settle down and kind of get our heads together, think of something. Hopefully well, we can get y'all some Sunday. Well, oh. so so here's the thing. So we, I saw a, a, a clip where uh, Tyler Lockett was mic'd up, and uh, I, yeah. I can't remember who asked him. But he said, "How come you're not doing any dance?" It might have been Diggs or Adams. And he, he said, "Why aren't you doing the uh, the dances?" And he goes, uh, "I'm I'm trying to. I don't know if he said intimidate or make them fearful <laughs> of us. I think it was make them fearful of us. You know, Tyler. It, you know his his size, I don't know how much fear, but he does as hey, a get wide off, receiver. Hey, get off the small receiver, I, look, Paul. I'm not, I'm get not, off the small receiver. I'm not saying you're small. I'm saying he's slight. <laughs> but, no, but fear is, is route running. I just thought it was kind of funny that – and also I think it also says something, how focused you guys are and what he's thinking about. He goes, look, man, yeah. this, is, this is Super Bowl time. I would say that's kind of – I think that's kind of like the bigger reason. We all been pretty focused on – Really, just like kind of dialed in, so we hadn't really thought about dances. I'm sure as the season goes on and things are still going good and stuff like that, it'll come around. But it's still at the beginning of the season. We just I feel like we just got out of training camp like two weeks ago. It's kind of weird, you know. It's all off. So yeah, that's what I think. That's where all the dances are coming in. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna email text you a, a really good choreographed uh, dance <laughs> later, so you you hold All that right. for you, okay? Paul, they don't they don't they're not gonna dance oh, yeah, country. They're not gonna get a line. Why, why, why do you look at me they're and think country? They're not gonna country. country, Paul. <laughs> I, I've got some stuff. Man. My wife was a sea cow. Come on, man. I I can go to the oh, old. Crazy, yo, I was thinking about doing a little two step here and there. there. See, oh, I stand corrected. Thank yeah. you, thank you, David. All right, my bad. All right, I got you. Before I let you get out of here, hey, me and my producer call you Demo Swag all day. So whenever you make a play, we're yelling Demo Swag, man. We enjoy watching you do your thing and appreciate you taking time, man. I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. David Moore. That was David Moore, a.k.a. Demo Swag. Coming up next, we're going to go across the NFL with no other than John Clayton, the professor, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live with me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer every Thursday at 7 o'clock right here on 710 ESPN, and we are in CenturyLink. JC, we didn't get no funk for you today, though. How you doing? Uh, good. Hey, we want more funk. We love funk. <laughs> funk is the best. Funk is the best. What do you think of this Tampa Bay-Chicago game so far? Should it be this close? Uh, yeah, because I tell you what, I mean, you can see some holes in both teams. You can see Nick Foles overthrowing guys deep. And, I mean, some of the worst throws on wide-open deep throws we've seen this year. And you can also see that the offensive line is starting to collapse around uh, Tom Brady because particularly in that last series, 
I mean, they got to him pretty well, and it's now got to the point where they're getting you know, a bunch of holding calls and everything else. And so this is, uh, this is an interesting game right now. You know that Tampa Bay came in. They were a little undermanned at the skilled positions because Chris Godwin uh, is was inactive, and you know O.J. Howard had the Achilles tear, and he's out for the year. Leonard Fer, uh, Fournette, you know, they were down with him. I mean, he's just an emergency running back, and LaShawn McCoy, I mean, he was inactive. And so you, know, you can see that, uh, I mean, Brady, He's doing good things. Foles is doing a lot of underneath stuff. Pretty good football game. You know, John, they used to say, Chuck Knox, he say, don't tell me how rough the water is. Just bring the boat in. I don't want to hear about all those other teams' injuries. I want to talk about our injuries. Yeah. I have a wish list. I need, I need Dunbar healthy. Got it. I would like to have Adams healthy. He but, but I can go another bye week until then. So, Give me a, a nice little injury happy Thursday report. Honestly, because we had what there was, uh, Seahawks had four guys that didn't practice today, and there's a good chance that you're not going to see any of the four. You know, Nico Thorpe probably has a core injury that could be a season ender if he has to go to Philadelphia and get the surgery. Then Jamal Adams is going to miss this week. You know, Jordan Brooks is going to miss this week, and so you know you can kind of scratch that, and then you kind of get a negative feeling right now as far as uh, Leno Hill, Leno Hill, because again that back wasn't any better and he wasn't able to practice today. So with the with the fact that there's a bye week. You know, they're going to be a little extra cautious and maybe buy an extra week for everybody to get healthy because what you can understand is like, okay, you evaluate the talent that's there and you say you got Minnesota coming in. They're a beatable team, but it's still a dangerous team. Yeah. But also coming out of the bye week, there's more important games because you've got Arizona, San Francisco. You've got division games. And so you want to try to make sure that uh, you're the healthiest for the division games because in many ways they might be the toughest that you have in a good portion of the rest of the season. Yeah, we got some tough running games coming up against San Francisco. we still got to play them twice, the Rams twice. There's some other teams that, that pound us. So this isn't an injury question, but I do want to talk about Damon Snacks Harrison. What What's the status? I know they put him on practice squad. We get why, but when will he be eligible to come and play, and when do you expect him to? Well, he's eligible to be able to come up and uh, go right now. It's just a matter. It's like, okay, is that going to be the right thing to do? He's been on the practice field now for two days. If they see that uh, you know there's enough there, they have the simple thing that they can bring him up from the practice squad. It doesn't eat up a roster spot because they have the extra roster spot, and so they can do that without having to release anybody. And so, you know, you figure if anything Maybe he can help out for 10 to 15 to 20 plays and help in the run stopping if they need it against Alvin Cooks. So I think that could be an option right there. And, of course, you know, you figure Demarius Randall is going to be taken and brought up if Lano Hill's not going to be able to play. So those could be the couple of moves that they can make, you know, on Saturday to get them on the roster. And then right after the bye week, then you find a way to get uh, Snacks Harrison on the full roster so you can get him ready for Arizona and San Francisco. All right, John, I'm leaving the organization. I'm going out east, the Buffalo Bills. I haven't believed in them since Jim Kelly was the quarterback. And all of a sudden, they're 4-0. They've beaten the Jets, the Dolphins, the Rams, the Raiders. Josh Allen is performing at a high level. Is it time that the nation buys into what these guys are doing? If everybody, if you don't buy in, you're, you're missing something. Because, you know, even though this is a year still where, you know, defense is still hard to be able to catch up and Buffalo's giving up more points than they have since John McDermott has been there, you know, it's still a 
good defense. They got the pass rush. They got the secondary. They got everything going. But now Josh Allen is going, and he's playing. I mean, you can start to make the argument when you're talking MVP. You know, it's Russell Wilson one, and then you go Aaron Rodgers two, maybe Patrick Mahomes number three. But Josh Allen's probably number four. I mean, he's taken an offense that when he started in the previous years, he never did better than 19.22 points a game. Now he's up to like 28, 29 points. He's got Stephon Diggs able to get the ball deep to him. And so, you know, they got the deep passes. They still got some running. They did a decent offensive line. This team's legit. Embarrassment of riches at wide receiver the Seahawks right now. Obviously, you know, DK and, and Tyler. And, and I think, you know, David Morris played well. It, what, what, is Philip Dorsett, does he get back here this year? And, and if he does, does he does he contribute? He does, but right now, as strange as it sounds, I mean, again, they signed him for the minimum, so it's not like there's a major monetary commitment to him. You know, he might be the fifth receiver because of that foot injury. Because it's pretty clear David Moore has established himself as the number three, and Freddie Swain keeps yeah, getting better and better point. every week, so he's number four. So Dorsett could be number five, but still, I mean, if you're, if you're number five receiver can do a four three three forty and get downfield. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're the richest on the wide receiving core, which does help. And, again, getting doors set back, you know, again, if it's going to be this week, he was limited in practice today, that could help. John, offenses have been lighting up the scoreboard this year in the NFL. Um, teams have scored 30 points 51 times this season. Do you see this trend continuing, or do you feel like the defenses are going to catch up and slow this thing down? No, I think it's going to continue because, again, you can see now. We'll, we'll see how it goes week to week with the holding penalties. You know, tonight, uh, you know, Kemp, the referee, he's called about four holding penalties. But so far since this season started, there's only 125 uh, holding penalties called and 102 marched off. And so what that does, it gives the quarterbacks and the offense more rhythm because now you're not facing first and 20, second and 15. You can get a rhythm going on offense, and now what you have is 18 quarterbacks on pace to be able to throw for more than uh, 4,000 yards this year. And, and and we're seeing incredible numbers coming in as far as the quarterbacks. And so, uh, I mean, the ratings in the quarterbacks is higher than ever. I mean, you can see the yards, the points, all those different things. And so you put that all together. I, I don't necessarily see it changing because the game is now set up both with officiating and also with the fact that defenses are behind. Now, again, they'll catch up to a little bit, but if you're in the NFC, you're, it's going to have to go through this all year. That's why I keep on saying, if you're looking at the Seahawks' stats, ignore them, because every yeah. every team in, in the NFC is going through the same things. I mean, you got 27 points a game plus coming out of NFC offenses, and a lot of that's because you've got 13 quarterbacks that are experienced, 12 of them are making over $21 million a year, and 11 have been to the Pro Bowl. And the only two that haven't been are two quarterbacks who once went to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Foles. You know, John, I, I, I actually like the, and I'm a defensive guy, I like the less holding calls. It, look, if it's egregious, I, you call that thing. I think the 10-yard penalty, putting people back, you know, first and 20 or second and 20, it, it's just a game changer. It's not even that. It, it also takes, if there's a completed pass, it, you know, then it's even a bigger penalty, right? You make a 20-yarder and you might, that's a 30-yard penalty. So I, I actually like it. And, I'm I'm fine with it moving forward. So I'm going to ask you this question again. What what do you what have you not been asked this week, John? What do you, what's out there that's interesting that we don't know about? 
Well, we know that certainly we you know talk about the bad situation with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know what I'm, I, what I haven't been asked about yet is uh, you know what has been the status of the coaches that are on the hot seat. And what's amazing to think that we already got Bill O'Brien fired early in the week. All right, so he's the first. I look at six other coaches. If we put together the Bill O'Brien numbers, it's like those coaches are four and eighteen. Four and 18, and they're all drafting in the top 10. So at this stage, there's at least seven coaches fired uh, either during the season or after the season. And so nobody's asked about that. So that's one that nobody's asked about. And then the other thing is just the, the scoring on offense as far as how pronounced it is, particularly in the NFC, you know, with the 51 games where there's been over 30 points scored in those games. It's remarkable. And the other thing they haven't been asked about is the fourth quarter comebacks because, you know, because of the fact that they're not calling the holding penalties you get rhythm coming back is that you know you've now got uh, you know so many quarterbacks having big numbers in the fourth quarter and there's been 21 22 games that have had fourth quarter comebacks to win john they 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 mocked me a week ago for asking <laughs> that two weeks in a row Fire. it's been my favorite moment yeah that was really good stuff i appreciate that i appreciate that thank yeah. you john plain and simple who is the best team in the national football league today uh, you know, you, you, at the moment, you'd have to say Seattle, uh, even though the defense is giving up, uh, you know, too many yards. But again, the yards are kind of the throwaways because, again, they've had four games with double digit leads in the fourth quarter. And, you know, say what you want about Kansas City. They're great. I mean, Pat, you can still make the argument that Patrick Mahomes may be better overall than Russell Wilson, but not this year. I mean, because Russell Wilson is having one of the greatest stretches of quarterback play we have ever seen in this league. Six touch, 16 touchdown passes in four games, you know, almost as many touchdown passes as completions. It's incredible. But you look at uh, Kansas City, as great as it is for them, you know, they're still only scoring like 28, 29 points a game, where Seattle's like scoring like, what, 37 points. All right, John, we appreciate your insight. As always, keep it funky, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, make my funks and P-funks. All right, John, have a good night. Thanks. All right, another week, another Seahawk victory. Coming up next, me and Paul Moyer will tell you what we saw and what we need to see from the Seahawks this week against Minnesota right here on Hawks Live.